0: It's
1: the this is another episode of the Annoyed Not Offended podcast. For people who are never in a bad mood, everyone else is just annoying, and I'm your host Sydney. Let's dive into what's getting under our skin this week. Hey, what is up, you guys? And welcome back to another episode of the Annoyed Not Offended podcast. Again, this is a podcast for the unoffended but constantly irritated individuals. Please remember, it is not our fault that everything is irritating and agitating. That's just how life is. Um, As always, I am your host, Sydney, discussing the latest and greatest in the news of what has gotten on my nerves this week. As you guys know, it's always something. But I have a guest with me for this week's episode that I'm super duper excited about. And we're actually discussing a topic that I feel like you should be offended and annoyed by. But, you guys, I am joined by Kennedy Moore, um, Reproductive Freedom Organizer at Pro Choice Missouri. So, I am super excited for our conversation today. Kennedy, do you want to give a quick introduction?
0: Hey, yeah. Thank you so much, Sydney, for reaching out. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be on your show. Um, my name is Kennedy Moore. I am a Repro Freedom Organizer here in St. Louis. Um, I work for Pro-Choice Missouri, which we're the leading grassroots organization in the state that is working to ensure people have access to reproductive care um, and reproductive services, whether that be abortion or birth control or anything along those lines. And so um, that's what we do. We do it through the lobbying process and through the political process. Um, of of making sure that our elected officials, we hold them accountable um, and that we elect pro-abortion champions. So
1: Nice. Well, again, you guys, I am super excited for this episode, considering we recently discussed the Supreme Court's overturning of Roe v. Wade just two weeks ago, which many, as you know, is a historical setback considering how long um, the ruling had been in place. And, you know, as Kennedy mentioned before, as an advocate, and worker of Pro Choice Missouri, we will be breaking down what this means for reproductive rights in the U.S. and even right here in the grand red old state of Missouri. But jumping right in to the first segment of this show, we have Fed Up or f-ed Up. So, you guys. For any of my new listeners, this is an opportunity for you get to know my guests better because what better way to know about somebody than learning about what gets under their skin, at least for me. Um, So it's more like a what really grinds your gear sort of thing. So Kennedy, I'll start off with what has gotten on my nerves this week, then you can jump in. You guys, I do not like to be persuaded. Or at least if I feel like somebody is constantly trying to persuade me, I was having this conversation with a friend um, this past weekend, you know, just about boundaries and so forth. And I really don't like when people try to make me do something that I don't want to do or just agree with them on a perspective that I just don't see for myself. And a lot of times it's hard because, you know, with your friends, with family, people are constantly in the thing of like okay, this is what I think. This is why I think you should think this way and so forth. If you have asked somebody multiple times the same thing, do you not think at any point that it's going to get aggravating? And I'm also one of those people who I feel like once I've made up my mind about an issue, I usually keep the same stance unless it's really some groundbreaking information that has been brought to my attention. But for the most part, no. And I feel like We're in the age, too, of being in your early 20s, mid-20s, where you're constantly dealing with people who want to be like that, just because I feel like in a lot of ways, you know, we interact with people who are going through these periods in their life where they're trying to change, but they're not exactly there yet. So again, their stance on different issues is changing. But again, just for me and my home, I don't like it. And again, if we are friends or if we are acquaintances and I feel like you keep trying to persuade me of something, I'm just going to have to not communicate with you. Because, again, that is overstepping a boundary for me. And I know boundary setting looks different for everyone and it's usually based more on the situation. It's not a one size fits all, but, you know, you just got to cut the crap. And that's pretty much my fed up or fucked up. Um, Kennedy, what has you fed up this week?
0: I guess this past week, I finally got my blood drawn. My doctor told me to get my blood drawn this week or Mm -hmm. actually last month, she told me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I finally did it. And I was holding off because she told me I had to fast. And I knew the last time that I... Attempted to have my blood drawn that I almost passed out so and I had eaten that day, so um, I went and got my blood drawn and I didn't pass out this time, but I ate that day and I tried to stay hydrated and I found out. uh, What what I knew this entire time. um, That like while i'm not anemic I have low iron oh Um, that's the reason that I'm always cold that is the reason that um like when I stand up I get dizzy. I'm like Mm -hmm. little low iron symptoms you hear I'm Mm -hmm. like that's me and from my memory I'm like all my blood tests say otherwise but this time it said I have low iron so like
1: hey I can honestly say though with health stuff like that it's great that you can finally get to the bottom of it, but it's still just like, you know, what else can this tell me? Because essentially that's something that you kind of knew because you like, look, I already know the symptoms and so forth. In then, too, I know, at least for women and black women, I hear about us being anemic a lot. Yep. So that's no shocker. But even then, the whole process of getting blood drawn, I've only had to have my blood drawn a few times, but even that, like you said, you got to fast, you got to make sure you hydrate it. And then depending on what they test for, they taking a lot of blood. Ooh, you yeah. got to have a good nurse who knows how to actually get and find your veins.
0: And it's gentle because you could get a nurse that bruises up your arm, all of that. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I definitely agree with that. And I would be fed up too. But again, at least getting down to the bottom of health related stuff. I'm always that person when I don't feel good and I need the answer. Oh, baby, I'm calling the doctor. We can do some holistic stuff. I could drink some tea. I could take my herbs. I could take my vitamins. But at the end of the day, I need this to be on record that I do have a medical condition. Moving into the main segment and the main topic for today's episode. Um, As we mentioned before, this is going to be all about our reproductive rights and Well, yeah, it's been literally two weeks since the Supreme Court announced the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And this was a decision where it was um, five voted in favor and four voted against. And it is nearly identical to the draft that leaked last month. And interestingly enough, um, as I was looking more into this, you know, I was catching clips on YouTube from like MSNBC, CNN, and it's so, so much to digest. But it's crazy when you just think about the breakdown and the implications and so even with that kind of the comments that some of the justices had were very interesting because on the um agreeing side we had justice samuel alito that stated it is time to take heed the constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. Um, And they also made an interesting call out that three of the new justices that also voted in agreement were appointed by none other than Donald Trump. The opposing side stated that it was with sorrow for their court, um, but more for the many millions of American women who have today, who then lost a fundamental constitutional protection. And um, they also mentioned that 13 states had trigger laws with 13 more states quickly moving to ban abortion. And correct me if I'm wrong, Kennedy, but with the trigger laws, this basically means that it was written into law that if Roe v. Wade were to be overturned, that it would therefore make it illegal to receive abortions.
0: Yes. And in, in the day that Roe fell, um, our Attorney General, Eric Schmidt, um, he... I'm not sure of the exact policy, whatever uh, document that he signed, but Mm -hmm. he signed something that enacted that. Um, And so Mm -hmm. the day that it fell, it was illegal in Missouri to get a portion.
1: And it happened so quickly. Um, I even remember opening up my phone and seeing right there all of the articles within like the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, Kansas City, and so forth of people just churning out because they knew exactly what this would mean for them. Um, Some people coming out in support, some people coming out in retaliation. So just starting off with a few questions for you, Kennedy, kind of get more of information on your background and how you even chose to step into this role. Because I know this for me, I feel like I'm a person who is an advocate for the people, but I feel like there's a lot of pressure and it also requires a lot of energy, like it's very heavy in a way. But I wanted to first get into what, how did your journey as a reproductive freedom organizer begin? Um,
0: So that, let's take it back to uh, 2015. At uh, Mizzou in Columbia, Missouri, I decided to go to Mizzou mm-hmm. uh, in 2014, and at the time, I only was studying communication. I later got two degrees in communication and Black Studies, but um, went there. And Mike Brown happened, I think, a couple weeks before I was like supposed to move into Mizzou.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and so there was already this, um, this like organizing charged community on Mizzou's campus um, of students like fed up of what was going on in St. Louis and nationwide um, mm-hmm. with police. And so I, in 2015, um, oof, it's, it's such a blur to like even go back to like 2015. and remember where to start. But like, basically, essentially, the movement with concerning student one nine, five, oh, came about student organizers um, were protesting um, against the administration's inaction on um, on students being marginalized on campus, Mm -hmm. um, whether it be, you know, putting cotton in the BCC yard or um smearing swastikas in fecal matter um or going on yaki and telling us that all the black people got to leave campus um, mm-hmm. there was just like and some of those things happened during um some of those things happened during the movement mm-hmm. um and it was just the fact that tim wolf as well as other um system administrators didn't do anything didn't say anything um when racial, just racism and the discussions about it and white supremacy was becoming prominent in our discussions. And so um, that's like really where I got my start organizing like with demonstrations and Mm -hmm. sit-ins and protests um, on campus against the administration. And then during my time at Mizzou, I added my black studies degree um to the roster and i i studied that and just fell in love with really like the movement and black feminism and womanism um and and just the history of of what black women and black femmes have done in this country and in the diaspora and so that's like how i kind of got my start organizing and then mm-hmm. the tie-in to I guess, repro and feminism and Mm -hmm. having your own bodily autonomy and, um, and being able to, being able to be a woman, being able to be a man, being able to be non-binary, whoever you are, Mm -hmm. um, just all of those things that I identified with and I experienced in my own life. And so, Mm -hmm. um, I just, I, over time became very outspoken, um, about, like, activism and stuff, and Mm -hmm. while I, after I graduated from Mizzou in 2018, I moved to St. Louis, and um, I got a job at a PR firm, so I was working in that field for a little bit, but um, I, I, it's just wild how you always kind of come back to your purpose and what Mm -hmm. you're doing, because in 2020, I was given an opportunity to be a boss fellow with Action St. Louis, and that gave me the skills and the knowledge as well as the opportunities to um, to do the work that I do in St. Louis and in the state even right now. And so mm-hmm. that's, I guess, like my like activist story. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I mean, that makes complete sense. Um, I also went to college right at the height of Mike Brown, and that was a very charged, Time energetically across the city, you could just see it. You would turn on the news; there was no getting away from it. And especially as a um, black student, when you're going into these environments of a PWI, where you are no longer the majority, you are the minority, and there are always going to be those instances of provoking and s- stereotypes, and just a lot of a lot of things that you would think. Administrations would address, especially when concerning the safety of students and so forth, Um, so I definitely understand that and even more so. With Mizzou, I have friends at Mizzou at that time with Concerned Student, um, it was a lot. I mean, you could even see, like, I remember getting on social media and people just talking about how they were being threatened and being um, targeted on campus, walking in the evening was not safe if you were a Black student and so forth. And just to think how even in that moment, that dealt with one, you know, is with racism. But we come back to this with our reproductive rights and it's like, okay, not only are you black, but you're also a woman. So essentially, it's just adding on to those microaggressions and just just that disadvantage of being out in the world that we live in. So um, one thing I want to talk about, too, is what exactly does pro-choice missouri do in terms of um you know supporting women as well as keeping us informed about our reproductive rights and so forth
0: um so pro-choice missouri so one of the things we do a lot of things um one of the things we do um, we have a clinic escort program and so when you go to um planned parenthood or a clinic um the abortion clinic, or typically, you're encountered by all these protesters, people that are literally Hecklers, yelling at you. Yes, they yell at you, "baby killers." They preach sermons to you. They will read you a scripture. They will, if you're walking with a man, they will make the man uh, feel guilty or, or try and shame him. They have so many tactics, as well as even wearing the same things that, like, the same vest that clinic escorts wear, um, anything to make sure people aren't going into the clinic. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, like, our clinic escort program has been in existence for, I think, about 35 years or so. Oh, wow. um, And been walking people to, like, the doors of um, various clinics, currently Planned Parenthood and Hope Clinic, Mm -hmm. um over in heights and granite city but um doing that to make sure people feel comfortable um is one thing we do um we also have a a group of amazing volunteers and members our base Mm -hmm. of people that um if we have if there's a a anti-abortion bill in the legislature and we have to make calls to um the senators or the representatives or mm-hmm. send emails then we can call on those folks to do that um as well as they our organizing team we try and figure out how to take action against um these ab- anti-abortion attacks and um strategize ways in which you know like how to actually fight back and another thing as far as um ELECTED OFFICIALS AND ACCOUNTABILITY, WE we TRY, AND ONE OF THE THINGS, WE JUST CAME OUT WITH OUR ENDORSEMENTS TODAY, um, SO WE CAME OUT WITH uh, ENDORSEMENTS FOR ALL OVER THE STATE OF PEOPLE RUNNING ON THE BALLOT IN AUGUST OF THIS FALL mm-hmm. AND NOVEMBER AS WELL, um, THAT ARE PRO-ABORTION CHAMPIONS, THAT ARE PEOPLE THAT WE CAN ELECT TO OFFICE, THAT are not going to strip us of our rights, not going to strip us of our bodily autonomy, um, and things of that matter. And so that's one thing we do. Um, One of the things I do personally uh, that I'm really excited about, because I'm a kid at heart, and Ken loves working with the kids. um, (laughs) But I get to work with, um, we have this summer, and every summer we hire fellows to work on sex ed um, and improving sex ed within Missouri, mainly at this point now within St. Louis, because you know, within St. Louis, there are so many school districts. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we have three fellows, uh, three amazing fellows this year, that um, we're working with to make sure that they educate their peers about um, safe sex practices and how to destigmatize talking about sex, um, mm-hmm. how to like not be, you know, shamed for having conversations that mm-hmm. should be normal, as well as like holding space to talk about your experiences. Like, when did you take sex ed? Because, mm-hmm. you know, t- even talking to these students across the city and across like the county, too, some students, um, it's mostly like
1: absence-based learning, at least from what I remember where they teach you that, oh, you should abstain from all um, sexual activity. You know, if you do participate in any sexual activity, there is a likelihood of you getting STDs. And then it goes into the STIs and so forth. Like we At least in high school, I don't recall learning about, like, contraceptives or emergency contraceptives or anything of that nature until I was in college. And I took, like, human sexuality and fundamentals of human sexuality. And even then, that itself was an elective. So I don't even believe all of my, all of the people at the college necessarily had to take the class.
0: I, like, so I'm from Chicago and my Sex ed experience. I first got sex ed in middle school, I want to say sixth grade. Mm -hmm. And the tactic they used was like having, showing you pictures of STDs and scaring you with Mm -hmm. the idea of catching STD. So, like, kind of abstinence only, but very like fear based.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. And
0: some some of my other students, they like, I, I had sex ed in middle school or not at all. And some of them, it was kind of okay. Um, there are a few gems that um, may work with, you know, the TASH program with Planned Parenthood and have a good sex ed um, mm-hmm. education. A lot of these students, um, they, since it's not required and in Missouri, it is abstinence only, they they don't know how their bodies work and then we go on to see why we have laws that make no scientific sense
2: Yes, um, because
0: people don't have a scientific basis of like how their body works how their reproductive organs work Mm -hmm. and so now we have um you know i don't one thing I, I try and destigmatize a good and a bad abortion abortion is abortion. Um, all abortions are good, but, um, now we have, you know, ectopic pregnancies in some States that are illegal, and that is something that will kill you. And so mm-hmm. that comes from one, like I, I really, that's why the sex ed program, it's all connected. Cause if you don't have good sex education, And understand consent and how to have a healthy relationship and Mm -hmm. all of those things then you're not going to understand why these laws like are stripping us of our autonomy.
1: For sure and I mean it goes back into like even the argument that in general there is just a lack of importance put on things such as sexuality and reproductive health and so forth. Because even when you hear about the studies of women with very common um, reproductive illnesses like endometriosis, And fibrosis and everything else, there is literally little to no studies done on what this means for their bodies, the issues this can have on pregnancy and so forth. So, when these people do step into these positions of power, even when you want to oppose them, it's like, well, what can I oppose them with? There isn't a lot of scientific evidence that can be used to back a majority of these claims. But I believe even with justice, oh my gosh, I forget what, which Supreme Court justice, I forgot his name, but he voted in um, dissent, dissent, but basically he opposed them, overturning Roe v. Wade. But even he mentioned that like them overturning this makes no sense because they have not used any sort of scientific evidence to back any of these claims of why it needed to be overturned and so forth. And in my research, uh, I tried to do a little bit of digging just about Missouri's reproductive laws and facts about um, abortion before this. But I thought it was even crazy that um, patients must receive state directed counseling that discourage, discourages the person who's looking to have an abortion from having an abortion. You know, like they have to go through with this before they can even think about scheduling an appointment, which is kind of nuts. It's crazy.
0: Yeah,
1: It's, and in addition to
0: that, there was a, with the counseling, there was like a 72 hour waiting period after Mm -hmm. that, Mm -hmm. like, you know, you have to, it's like, you have to sit and marinate on if you want an abortion or not. Mm -hmm. And it's just, that's, that's some of the same things that like crisis pregnancy centers do, like as far as like, it, it reminds me of the deceit and how they misinform people. Like
2: mm-hmm. um, some of these, I don't
0: know if you've heard of like Thrive, um, and and different ones around St. Louis, but they literally um, they they try and use guilt and and fear mm-hmm. and and anything really to try and make you keep a pregnancy that you don't necessarily want or that you can't necessarily sustain.
1: Yeah. Um, and even when I think about the 72 hour time period before you can even schedule an appointment, if you were to want to go through with having abortion, to me, that ultimately puts another barrier in place. Because say, for instance, I'm a woman who I don't have a solid means of transportation. What if this is my only time to get over here and get an appointment? How am I going to come back in 72 hours? Like that just establishes another barrier that women have to go through to seek those abortions. And I know crazy enough, oh my gosh, they... (laughs) They featured Mike Pearson on a KMOV segment, and He w- he was talking about it and so forth. And he's like, oh, you know, I've always been a pro-life guy and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, with our laws and stuff in place, if people do want to travel to other states that offer abortions, they can do that and so forth. But it's like,
2: that's
1: not how that. I mean, people already do that, but again, that is creating another barrier. Not all women are going to be able to hop, skip, and jump across the bridge.
0: And, and that's why that's why reproductive justice as a framework exists because it's not just enough for us. Because now, you know, with the fall of Roe, now what is being attacked is reproductive rights. Um, And the difference between reproductive rights and justice is that you can have the legality to do this procedure, but do you have easy access to get to it is what reproductive justice is. And that's something that we just, especially in, you know, surrounding states and people were coming to Missouri at one point to get abortions, but now it's going to most likely going to be deviated to Illinois. Um, So, that's just that's something that's already been happening um people having to go out to take off work and go out their way and that's like you were saying why the 72 hour thing it's like how can i my job might only let me take off 2 days of work and um really just you know when you let's say somebody only has a certain amount of days left off for the year. They only have two days left off. Can, is it feasible? And they're in, let's say they're in, I don't even want to pick on a state, in a southern state where it's very hard to get to a state where there is abortion access. And, you know, like, what is that like for her to go up? For a day, or how, it, like, that, and with the 72 hour waiting period, it's not possible to do it in a day. Like, that's it, can you make a day trip? It's not feasible. Um, but that's kind of what they want,
1: mm-hmm. they want
0: they be easily accessible. So,
1: for sure. And I mean, I've even heard. Some of these other commentators that are pro lifers even say that, you know, that's the next step. That's the next thing that they're going to be looking to prevent is even if you do have access to a car and you do have somebody that is, you know, trusting enough to take you to your appointment and bring you back, they still want to implicate criminal charges on them. And it's like, okay, now to what extent is this providing? like, this is just absolutely ridiculous.
0: Yeah, it's, it's essentially just setting off a bounty hunt on somebody, um, you know, for whatever choice they made, like, it's Mm -hmm. the amount of resources, like state, and just all the taxes, taxpayer money that Mm -hmm. goes towards that, um, and just the criminalization, like, we already see in our criminal system that is it's black people, it's black women, it's black men in jail, and so with mm-hmm. this, in addition, we're a lot of times the people that we may need an abortion because we can't afford
1: to have another kid,
2: mm-hmm. or and I just- mean,
1: that's and, and and that's not at all being. Stereotypical in any instance because data backs this claim that black women are four times more likely to have abortions than white women, while Latino women are twice as likely. Um, and even then they say with health experts, they trace the relatively high rates among black women of abortions just because there is a disparity to healthcare access, lack of health insurance, and contraceptive in these, like you know underserved um communities and even then just when you think about like the implications and the triple trickle effect that it just has on so many different things um i know they mentioned as well that just not only is our um mortality rate higher as black women when we're pregnant but there are also more instances of violence against pregnant black women so it's just dangerous. Like you are literally setting off an entire thing that just can, I mean, and not to just say it'll only affect black women and we'll get it worse because I was even thinking further about it. Like, what does this mean for somebody that is trans? You know, that doesn't at all align to their um, gender assignment. Like, what if I'm a person that I'm currently undergoing um, hormone therapy and so forth? And I become pregnant. Like, what do I do then? And
0: then even yeah, even with being a trans person and seeking care and they still even going to the doctor still face like marginalization from, you know, being put into, well, with science and the doctor, this is female and male. Um, so. That's that's it, it's a lot. There so is much. a lot
1: it is a lot. What can you, what, what has been a very eye-opening experience that you've had working at Pro Choice Missouri? Um,
0: definitely when I go to Jeff City, um, those are some interesting some interesting days when we have to go. Last summer, we went, they were there was a FRA, the federal reimbursement. I am forgetting what it stands for. But we <laughs> you are okay. <laughs> got a clean FRA though, without them messing with birth control and Planned Parenthood. They were trying to, um, this is like a tax with Medicaid and all mm-hmm. those different state systems, and they were trying to taint it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had to go down there and testify we had abortion storytellers talking about their stories and why they got an abortion and what their abortion did for them and it's very eye-opening um one experience i had uh senator elaine gannon in response to one of our um our volunteers our our storytellers basically said your body is not your own your body is god's after this girl testified, um, about her abortion story. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, there's just, as well as being in those, those hearings, um, testifying as well as when, uh, the Missouri right to life and all those March, uh, for life people come to the Capitol for their little days and conferences that they put on. And just, just, being in that the midst of that and seeing all those kids um their parents and just just knowing what they're aligned with it's really like infuriating.
1: i don't know if i can you. handle it because i would just be so like charged because who are you who are you to who are you to feel this way and more importantly What exactly are you positioning as the outcome? Because I feel like with a lot of these pro-life people, they say all these things about, you know, saving children and a child. Nobody has the right to this. Um, You're killing a baby and all of these other things. But it's like, okay, so what are y'all doing for the greater good once these children have been born? Nothing. There is nothing. The foster care system is still terrible. There are so many people and so many children that are just mistreated and abused, even children that aren't placed in foster care, that live with their family, that are the children of parents who didn't want them, which is terrible to even think about. But it's just like, do you know the implications that this will have and the trickle down effect? And I even ran a story. And I, I said, this didn't even make any sense. Like to me, you having some sort of like cognitive dissonance because this didn't even make any sense. But there were a few protesters out in St. Louis at Planned Parenthood. And, you know, um, as I mentioned before, some of these people are out in like, lieu of it, like protesting, they're upset, they're riled up, they're ready to go. Then some people are coming out in support and celebrating. And there was a woman who was older, she proud to be like in her 60s, and she was with her husband. And she said she was there in support of Roe V. Wade being overturned. And she kind of mentioned how when she was younger, that she had had an abortion herself and that she had wished at that point in time it had been illegal so she had not been given that choice but i'm like that makes little to no sense (laughs) like do you understand how you just said that more than likely you were not emotionally physically and financially stable enough to have a child so somebody was like hey this is another option for you so you can have a better life and have children later on down the line that you feel like you can love and take care of properly. But you're saying this should be taken away from women now? The same people in Missouri that are
0: pro-life, I I don't even like to say they are anti-choice. The same people that are anti-choice in this state we're trying to not expand Medicaid, which would help thousands of Missourians that are already mm-hmm. that that need health care. Mm-hmm. Um and so there they're the whole guilt thing and there there are politicians because even some of the the people that um you know write these laws and co-sponsor these laws here they're dealing with that oh somebody forced me to Uh, tried to get me to get an abortion and I didn't want to do it and that's okay and that person was wrong for trying to force you to get an abortion but if you didn't want to do that but at the same time that's an option that you should have the ability to make Mm -hmm. or choose you know
1: yes yes I I agree with that wholeheartedly and again it's just crazy to see, like, because like you said, they are pretty much 10 toes down for this. And it's just like, y'all are not going to do anything again to help these children or these women in these instances when this pregnancy does occur. Um, One last thing that I wanted to touch on is how can people help, you know, um, pro-choice Missouri, if they're interested in volunteering or donating, what can they do?
0: um so you can definitely so visit our website our website is Mm -hmm. um, prochoicemissouri.org you can donate to us on there um if you want to be a monthly sustainer as well um if you're interested in like joining our work um you can go to take the pledge and sign up um sign up to take the pledge to join us in the fight to rebuild abortion and so with the fall of roe like we were trying to be strategic and think about the ways in which we can we gain our rights back and so we need a coalition we need a movement of people because this is for the people we Mm -hmm. are the people and so um if you are interested in like being part of that movement our reproductive freedom front Um, You can sign up for that on our website. I can drop a link to you, Sydney, if you'd like. Um, As well as on the flip side of the clinic escorts, we also have a legal observer program. And so those are more biased people in the clinics um, on the ground that are um, not walking with patients to the door, but observing the things that are occurring, um, with anti's um in the lot or whatever may be happening. Um and so that is a program that we have as well that you can sign up for um and get trading as more as well as more information on it. So um nice. yeah those are ways you can get plugged in with us. And then lastly I also want to plug um sex ed our students for sex education um It's not currently on our website. I can also pause. Yes, just send me,
1: I was going to say, send me all the deets. I will be posting this because I know, again, a lot of women were like, even men that I know were like, okay, so how can I contribute? How can I help? What can I do? Because at the end of the day, even as a human man, I know this isn't right. I want the person that I'm with to be able to choose whether they carry their child or whether they don't, and they understand the help health implications of it.
0: Yeah, the one last thing I do want to say is, Mm -hmm. like, as far in addition to getting um, involved with pro-choice Missouri, um, destigmatize the word abortion. When you talk to people, um, I challenge everybody, everybody listening, um, if you can, to at least three times a day maybe you just select one day start off with one day and do it more i say abortion a lot um but you know start saying the word abortion because part of um the, the stigma culture, the stigma and all these mm-hmm. things that um create this this culture in this place where we're afraid to talk about it and we Uh, make it illegal is is connected to us being afraid to even say the word and talk about it so that um, is a great
1: point that's a you know what I hadn't thought about that but that is great there is such stigma around abortion and like you like a lot of those anti-choice people try to say because they're like oh you're you're murdering a child you're murdering a baby whereas you're not this is an embryo it is not at all a child. It is not a baby. And two, surprisingly, there are so many women that have had abortions. Like it's very common. I know women that have had abortions and it's not anything horrific or anything terrible that occurred to them. They were just like, at this point in time in my life, I cannot have a child, whether it be because of my partner that I'm with at the moment, my financial status, and so forth. And they chose not to go forward with it. And you know, that was something that I was supportive of, because I'm like, look, I can't help you either. Like, if what does this even mean as a person that supports you? A child is a lot. Taking care of a baby is a lot. Even carrying a baby to term, committing to being pregnant, like, there are so many different implications of that and i know even somebody brought up recently i'm interested in learning more too about what this means for ivf with in vitro fertilization just because in a lot of those instances you know um you have to get the it has to be like a successful embryo. Not sure if I'm saying that correctly, all my health peeps, whoever out there, please correct me. But I always hear you have to have a successful embryo to then be implanted into the woman. And a lot of times they have to do multiple, they have to create multiple embryos before they can. And then they typically dispose of the other. So now, what does this mean? That in itself is gonna is gonna be crazy to see more of this play out. I think it was just one last thing. I keep saying it's one last thing, but for real, yeah, it's one last thing too that I want to say. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm sure you've been with Pro Choice Missouri for a while, and you guys have studied just the history of this as well as reproductive rights over a long-standing within the United States within the Midwest and so forth. But I feel like, too, this is not just a random occurrence. They have been preparing for this for a while, like since probably even before 2016, I would literally say probably right around 2015, we saw that shift. We saw that shift just in terms of how progressive the united states was as a whole and i know it i know it's payback i know exactly what it's payback for but there has been such a shift lately and i feel like it's so crazy when i see all of these people like oh my gosh we're just going back to all of these prehistoric eras and they're just bringing all of these terrible things back but it's like no they've been planning on this for a while this has not been an overnight thing do you agree with that
0: Oh, definitely. And this is this is Tammy Lola um, speaking radical, radical can because you can't start a country on free labor and (laughs) you can't start a country on free labor and then proceed. And, you know, start paying people and then I may be a little bit. And this is just me in my mind, but this whole thing is, is capitalism is based on capitalism and having a labor force, a free labor force again, whether it's built on religion and Christianity, extremism Mm -hmm. or not. That for me, it's been, and you know, a lot of people talk about going back to, you know, the seventies and that era, but even beyond then, um, just the ways in which, they they colonize us and like use capitalism. Um, that that's all I'll say. It's <laughs> it's definitely something. is is deeper than a lot of conversations and even the conversations about the right to privacy um, mm-hmm. that go along. Because Roe versus Wade Roe versus Wade was based on the right to privacy, and so you know if that's stripped, then what do we have you know not even thinking about reproductive Mm -hmm. rights my right to privacy in my own home um and and that's why i mean people of all genders should care about this regardless but really they if you don't um and you're not a woman or somebody with a uterus like you should care because next is your overall right to privacy um so
1: No, that's a great point. That is a great point. And I mean, people are paying attention. You see people trying to speak up now and be more liberal. And even then, like you said, our society does benefit greatly from capitalism. Even now, corporations, they're trying to get their hand in being more liberal and um, speaking to what they feel like are the voices of the people and so forth. But Again, if you guys are listening, do what you can. Participate, as Kennedy has mentioned, in volunteering and donating i'll put all of these links in the description for this episode so you guys can easily access it but make sure y'all paying attention watch the news i feel like so many people just get their news on facebook and twitter no baby i want you to go to an actual news outlet the washington post the new york times st louis post whomever And get your news from there. Because that, they telling you the truth. I don't know what people, you know, Facebook got all these fake links and so forth. You guys need to be aware. Like Kennedy mentioned, what does this mean for your privacy? Keep up. (laughs) It's a lot. It is a lot, you guys. But moving into the very last... (sighs) segment of the show we have you are drove so um for all my non-st louis's disclaimer drove is just when you thought something was going to work out in your favor and it does not we have all been there um switching to something that is a little bit more light-hearted but nonetheless hilarious don't know if you guys saw this but um sea lions were chasing all the beach goers in San Diego. So I saw this news story earlier where in uh, Southern California, a beach captured video of all of the visitors fleeing the beach after two sea lions start charging after them. The sea lion's not moving that fast, y'all, but Had I been there in the heat of the moment, I probably would have ran too, because I don't know what they're about to do. But basically, um, some of the watchers who saw exactly what happened said that the chase began when a woman attempted to take a photo of a sleeping sea lion. So it it just didn't happen because the sea lions were wanted to be aggravated. They were aggravated. Why would you wake me up out of my sleep? But... As the woman was recording to them, she got very close to them. And again, other beachgoers noticed this. They kind of said, oh, she kind of tripping. And by the time everybody looked up, uh, the sea lions were chasing everyone. Um, The sea lions eventually returned to the water and swam off without causing any serious injuries. But again, the sea lions were not wrong. And the people were very, very, very drove. because. Why would you bother animals? Why do you bother? Why bother sleeping animals? The sea lion was just taking a day off, relaxing in the sun as they were. Y'all
0: better leave these animals alone. An elephant, now a sea lion. Please calm down.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. That story about that lady and that elephant. I had to read about five different articles because I had to make sure what I was like. I comprehended what I was reading. And for all of you who have not heard the story, um, basically, th- was it in Sri Lanka? I feel like it was somewhere in India. Oh
0: I do not I I think maybe India don't, yeah, don't quote me. I don't know.
1: It was somewhere in a Middle Eastern um country, but basically, these, I don't even know where they were at. I don't even know how this happens. Like I've never seen an elephant up close and live outside of a zoo, but wherever the woman was, she got trampled to death by an elephant. And um, shortly thereafter, they held a funeral for the woman. And surprise, surprise, she had a guest visitor, but it was the elephant that stampeded through her funeral. And there is like, literal video footage of this occurring at her funeral and it's completely ridiculous so like we mentioned before leave these animals alone y'all we don't know what that lady did to these to that elephant you know the elephant's still on trial to tell us exactly what happened but (laughs) in the case of the sea lions they knew they was wrong for messing with them animals they knew they were wrong so y'all don't be them do not be them. But you guys, that is it for this week's episode. Um, This has been a very informative and eye-opening episode. Like I said, I feel like I'm a person that tries to keep up and read about my rights, um, read about my own health, try to take into consideration, you know, how can I keep myself safe? But it's getting dangerous out here. Y'all, it's getting real. Keep up do what you can. Um, like I said before, all of the links will be included in the description. And Kennedy, would you mind telling my, well, I mean, Lord, I said my guests. Do you mind telling my listeners where they can find you at on social media?
0: Um, You can follow me on Twitter at Tami, the womanist. That's T-E-M-I-T-H-E-W-O-M-A. N I S T. Um, and then on Instagram, the same thing, but add instead of just one E and the Tamey V womanist.
1: And you guys, instead of recording our typical outro, we have a special treat for you today with a poem by Kristen Harris, a guest and friend of the show in regards to
2: reproductive rights enjoy i don't know who came up with this plan but i'm assuming it was a man but i'm here to tell you that we ain't going because to enforce an abortion ban is like tying a woman's hands and forcing a child with parents who are broken to overturn roe v wade has many people afraid please put these politicians in the potty i just really don't understand how a person a man could have so much to say about a woman's body since 1973 we've moved backwards not forward consistently with precise precision states weren't supposed to be able to put bans on abortion but they've shitted all over that decision with laws and restrictions totaling over 1k the ones who it won't affect tend to have the most to say but it's my body my choice i'm gonna make all the noise please protect the planned parenthoods around y'all say y'all pro-life on y'all feet and on y'all sites but don't help the moms when they're really down or even when they really need you life be filled up with strife we watch them struggle to survive and y'all ain't even said once let me feed you let me help. What do you need? I'll babysit, watch the baby read. Just sit in suits, living off greed. But if you're a leader, go ahead and lead. Instead of being thoughtless with no consideration, exercise a little hesitation. You don't know these women's situations or the stories they've got. Can't afford a child, unstable, sexually assaulted, unable, sick, disabled. This may be their last shot. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, just a poem with a little noise to start the conversation because if it's my body, it should be my choice. So I'm not sure who came up with this plan, but I'm assuming it was a man and I am here to tell you that we ain't going. Because to enforce an abortion ban is like tying a woman's hands and forcing a child with parents who are broken. To overturn Roe v. Wade has many people afraid, please put these politicians in the potty. I just really don't understand how a person, a man, could have so many opinions about a woman's body.